listening to a Clovis Hills podcast. You're about to hear from one of our teaching pastors. I want to encourage you, go download the Clovis Hills app where you can listen to sermons, you can give, you can do the growth group questions. They're on there too. And you can study God's word together. God bless you guys and go be the church. Good morning, Hills family. Good morning, Hills family. Hey, I, um, before we get going here, I want to greet some people real quick. We got um, our, our family that are meeting in the blend right now in the venue. If you are ever interested in checking that one out, um, it's kind of an acoustic style worship. They're going to have free smoothies for everyone that's in there on, um, on Easter. So check out the blend. Good morning to you guys. Good morning to Old Town. Pastor Dwayne is not there, but you'll see him soon. Uh, Mitch there. Good morning to our campus in Novato, our campus on Tulare Street, um, and good morning to Porterville, our whole crew. Good morning to all the Hills family. And finally, most importantly, good morning to our online community. I know some of you, I talk to you, you're with us every week, and we thank you for being faithful there, and uh, God, is, God is good, and you are the church as well, so we're glad you're with us. So, with that said, I am not preaching this morning. I have a special guest, um, and he's not really a guest. He's part of our family. He's part of the Hills family. He is the um, campus pastor at Old Town, and um, he's had opportunities to teach and preach at different uh, things at this church over the last year since he's been on our staff. And I noticed, like, oh, this guy can preach. And then my kids all said, um, Dad, we like Pastor Dwayne better than you anyways. Could he preach more? So, um, you may not know this, but uh, before he went into ministry, he was actually the bass player um, for a short stint in the band Leonard Skinner. And um, Jethro Tull, he played flute. Um, Clovis Hills, listen, I want you to give a warm welcome for his first time at bat, Pastor Dwayne Coleman. Now this is a story all about how my life got to turn upside down and I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bad. Thank you, Pastor Sean, and good morning, Hills family. Glad to be with you. Special shout out to my Old Town campus. Thank you for releasing me for the Sunday. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a good time in here. Today, I have heard really good reports about the 1030 service. I heard it's pretty lively in here. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to have some fun. Uh, we're continuing our Full Sin series. We're in Acts chapter 4. And just to remind some of you, this whole thing kicked off with Jesus making this promise that the Holy Spirit was going to come in power. Pretty cool deal. And it happened. We, we learned in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came in power. And Pastor Sean taught us that one of the marks of a believer filled with the Holy Spirit was boldness. Last week, we learned that one of the marks of a believer filled with the Holy Spirit was generosity. But I want to present to you this morning, you can be filled by a number of things. It's not exclusive to Christianity and the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with bitterness. You can be filled with anger, fear, anxiety, YouTube videos, whatever. You can be filled with a number of things. And so I thought, just to, to kick this off, that I would just use myself as a case study and give some vulnerable experience of my life. Because my whole life, I have not been filled in every moment with the Holy Spirit. That might be hard for you to believe. <laughs> my beard glistens like I was a prophet. So, but the truth is, no, not every moment in my life do I operate 
under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Many times I've operated in fear. Uh, Just to give you an example, for most of my adult life, I'm ashamed to say, I had a fear of banks. Yeah, you heard that right, of the bank. Not, not, not Not the physical location of the bank, but the whole ordeal and process of going into a bank, talking to a teller, because I'm always afraid that they're just they're going to access my account and you know, pathetic. <laughs> so I've avoided it at all costs. I love ATMs. I can't stand the teller. I want no human interaction at the bank. And I'm really blessed with my wife, Melissa Coleman. Some of you may know who that is. She's a saint. She's a saint. And I'm really grateful that was all women. If it was a couple of guys <laughs> screaming that loud. I may not be big, but I'm tough, you know. So, anyways. Anyways, I'm blessed in that my wife, when we got married, she said, hey, don't worry about it. I love you. As strange as it is, I will go to the bank for you. You don't have to worry about the money in the bank. I'll do it all for you. Now, I can hear the judgment of some of you guys in here saying, I think she just wants control of your money. But that's not my wife, she's very sweet, and I track everything on my phone. So, so eventually, as God would have it, a situation came where I had to go to the bank. She called me and said, you have to go to the bank. I can't make it today, you have to go. And the reason we had to go to the bank is we really needed some quarters, and, and I realize we're on the north side of town, so this may be a foreign concept to some of you. Uh, but. You need quarters if you don't have your own washer and dryer, okay? You got to go to a laundromat or if you're at an apartment complex, sometimes they make you pay to use the private washer and dryer there. So we needed quarters uh, for our complex. You had to pay to use the washer and dryer. So I had to get quarters. And so now I'm even more insecure because I'm like, I'm going in, like they're totally going to judge me. And when, when you're operating in fear, you don't make the wisest decisions, so I go into the bank, and I'm, I'm blessed. There's no one in there. I go straight to the teller. But as I'm having my exchange, like 20 people come in. The bank is now packed. It's ridiculous. And so I'm starting to feel my nerves. And so I asked the lady, I said, hey, can I get four rolls of quarters? I gave this woman $40 for quarters because my fear had told me, get enough. You never have to come back here again. <laughs> So it's just insane. I I get 40 rolls of quarters and she looks at me and she goes, must be laundry day, huh? (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Just give me my quarters. She gives me my quarters, but while I was at the teller, I had my phone out because I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I use my phone to escape the moment and not feel the weight of whatever space I'm in. So I get the rolls of quarters and four rolls is a lot of quarters. And so I have my phone in my quarters, and I'm like, you know, i got to put my phone away so I can really handle these quarters. As I turn, I put my phone away. I believe the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of my hand because as I went to, to cut both, both, both hands, the quarters, I push the four rolls out of my hand, and as I watch in slow motion, they drop to the ground and burst throughout the Chase Bank. It was at this moment I wanted to either die instantly or cry and run to my car and take off. The problem was I needed the quarters. 
So I got down on my hands and my knees, and one by one, I picked up all the quarters, stuffed them in my pocket, and I walked out humiliated, yet free of my fear, because nothing worse could ever happen at the bank again. So yeah, you can be filled with a lot of stuff. Let's fill up on some scripture. Would you stand with me for the reading of the scripture this morning? We're looking at Acts chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 23. It reads, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the cells, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. You may be seated. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Now, I don't know what your church experience is, but I'm, I'm a pastor's kid. Uh, I've grown up in the church my whole life. My grandfather has been a deacon for 30 or so years. My father has been a pastor for 25 plus years. So I, I grew up in the church. That's, that's what I know. And as a result, when I started following the Lord in high school, I, I took issue with you know, you have to read the Bible. And the Bible was like the most boring book in the world to me at that time. I had no desire to read the scripture, but I'm a Christian now. I want to follow Jesus and you have to read this Bible. And I remember thinking there's got to be a way to enjoy this book, to really appreciate God's word. And so for me, one of those exercises, Pastor Sean did it last week when he was kind of helping us get into the mind frame of the Gentiles back in the day. That's exactly what I do. When I read scripture, I want to remember these are real people going through real experiences. I think sometimes we can just read the scripture and let it go in one ear and out the other and not really take in the emotional weight of what we're reading. So when I read this passage and I think about what came before it, Peter and John being arrested for this noble deed of healing a layman. I think to myself, emotionally, God, I would be very troubled by this experience. 
And my reaction would not be to rally the church together to pray in response to religious leaders, the authorities arresting me. I, that's, just not, that's just not who I am. And let me specify a little bit further. Maybe, maybe this will help. For me, when I, when I look at this scripture, I think of myself and I go, okay, these guys were arrested and it wasn't by the Romans. That would kind of make some sense. Like the Romans did not care for the Jews and vice versa. But Peter and John are arrested by their own people. These are, these are Jews with a different belief system, but Jews, nonetheless, we are of the same cloth. You would imagine there's some emotional weight to that arrest. So I think of it in my context I'm a Clovis kid, uh, but since I was 17, I've kind of operated with the mindset, I'm Clovis's favorite son. A lot of people know me. Everybody loves me. Uh, I'm kind of like the Clovis Prince. That's why they played the Fresh Prince as I walked onto the stage. So I'm, I'm thinking of this, this passage, and I'm like, God, I'm not calling a prayer rally after Clovis did something like that to me. I would be very upset. I mean, I'd be, I'd be like Will Smith at the Academy Awards upset. I had to throw one in there. I just had to. I, it just, but seriously, that, that's troubling. But here's what I love about it, and this is why I love the Word of God, is because this uncomfortability exposes a gap between me and God's Word. And I think that's important because there's a lot of stuff that that we deal with in life, but for me, one of the most annoying things in life is dealing with fake people. I'm still growing in that area, but people who are just fake, especially like Christian fake, like they pretend whatever Jesus thinks, whatever Jesus did, that's exactly what they would always do, please. Please. Now, I'll just be honest, I'm not always like Jesus. That's my aim. That's where I'm aspiring and, and I'm pursuing to be, but I haven't arrived there yet. And so I love it when the word begins to expose, hey, there's a gap here, Dwayne. There's a maturity here. There's a pattern and a principle here in scripture that you have yet to obtain, that you have yet to apprehend in your own heart and in your own mind. When those discomforts come, I want to lean in and press in because that's where the power is for transformation. If I come to a church service, if I'm doing a Bible study, anytime I'm engaging God's word in any manner, I hope that when it's done, I'm better for it. And that can only happen if I'm honest enough to say, God, I'm wrestling with some of the things I just read and I just heard, because that's not yet me. May you do that work, which you did in these believers, in my heart. Amen? So this next passage tells us, and it's our main passage, verse 32 on, it says that there's this kind of utopian, idealistic uh, kind of community, right? Everyone's sharing their stuff. Everyone's loving each other. It, it almost sounds too good to be true. And oftentimes people can read this passage and they can kind of use it as a metric to evaluate and to judge other people. Here's what's wrong in the church. Nobody is doing these things. But that's not the way Luke writes it in Acts chapter 4. He doesn't write this as though this is something that we're supposed to be doing. He writes it in the context of this is the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
This is what the Holy Spirit will do in a life that allows him to lead. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall have power. Look at your neighbor and say, power. Man, that sounded like the 9 a.m. service. Let's try (laughs) that one more time. Look at your neighbor and say, power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall have power. And it's been expressed in both Acts chapter 2 and now here in Acts chapter 4 in the form of boldness, generosity, and now harmony. It says they were all of one heart and one mind. There was harmony in the Christian community as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. This wasn't the result of human ingenuity or man-made motivation. This is the result of the Holy Spirit at work in his people. So it's not something we try to conjure up. It's something we allow God to do. It's funny when I think, even when I say it out loud to this day, when I say the Holy Spirit uh, will, will bring power in the form of harmony, It kind of feels weird because I didn't grow up associating the power of the Holy Spirit and harmony. It's clear here in the scripture, but that's just not my church experience. I don't know about yours, but typically I I think of, you know, people falling out, you know, getting slapped and then they fall down or gold dust coming from the sky. And I'm not making fun of anyone. I'm just saying stuff that's not in the Bible. Anyways, uh, but the point is, the point is, That harmony is a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We should think of the power of God resulting in harmony. I think about when I worked in children's ministry for a short little little bit. It wasn't the area for me, but but I helped my church at this time. And there was this kid that was fond of me, and so he would hang out with me a lot. And one day I had to go to the auditorium, the worship center, And so we're headed to the worship center, and it's dark, and so I turn the lights on, and this kid had never been in our worship center before. And as soon as I turned the lights on, you would think he'd be afraid because the lights were off, but when I turned the lights on, he was terrified. It was such a surreal moment. And he looks at me, he says, are we in the church? And I said, yeah, we're in the church, which I know is the wrong answer because we are the church. We We don't go to church, but I was a young preacher at the time, so... Bear with me. But he's like, are we in the church? And I said, yeah, we're, we're in the church. And no joke, he looks at me and he kind of does the home alone face. Oh my God, the Holy Spirit's going to get us. And he runs out. And I was like, what have they been teaching you? Who runs out of the building because the Holy Spirit might get you? He clearly didn't know the Holy Spirit brings harmony. And that's a lot of us. We, we, we have these really oddball thoughts about the Holy Spirit, but the scripture is clear. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be marked with Christian harmony. Now, this harmony is, is not, when, when it says they're of one heart and one mind, that doesn't mean that on all things, they thought the same way, they viewed it the same, like they're, they're monolithic. It, they, they still had their own personalities. To be of one heart and one mind What it means is they had a shared commitment to prioritizing their belief in Jesus. There was nothing more important. The highest priority was their commitment 
to Jesus. It is incredible what God will do with a group of believers when they decide nothing is going to be elevated above our commitment to Jesus. And I just want to be careful. I, I, I should mention this. I think sometimes, again, when we read a passage like this, and there's many passages like this where, where we can get so excited about the potential of what church can look like, we get so excited, so fascinated with the idea of what church success could look like that we forget to look to the source. Again, Luke is not writing this as though our attention and focus should be on the results of the Holy Spirit, but that our attention should be on God. Our focus should be on God and being filled up with the Spirit of God. And as a result, God will do a work in us and through us called harmony. And it's powerful because I think we need to remember there is now eight, thousand people, probably more, a part of this church community now. This is after Pentecost, so you have Jews from other countries, you have Gentiles that have converted to to following the the Jewish way of worship and, and worshiping the Jewish God that now have converted to Christianity. So you have different upbringings, different cultures, you have a diverse group of people, yet they're able to live in harmony because there was no greater priority than their commitment and their belief to Jesus Christ. Another way of saying this is this church had a high view of Jesus. When we look at the messages in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, we see this repeated theme in both of Peter's sermons. There's a resurrected Jesus and a sovereign God. That's a big deal. It's a big deal because a resurrected Jesus doesn't simply mean a man came back from the dead. What it means is that all that Jesus spoke and taught is now established as true. His teachings are reality. There's an elevated weight to this Jesus. He's not mere man. He's God. And then it speaks to a sovereign God, and I think this is so incredible, and again, it exposes a lot about us today, and that even in their prayer, Peter and John, what they say is the Gentiles in Herod and Pontius Pilate, they conspired against Jesus. But even that was a part of your plan. Think about that. The government leaders were conspiring against God and succeeded at killing Jesus. And the disciples are not intimidated, the believers are not intimidated because they understand, God, you're so sovereign that even the opposition's moves fulfill your purposes. That's power. That's sovereignty. That is the view that they have of their God. This is the view that they have of their Jesus. When you have an elevated view of Jesus like this, it changes how you value everything else in life. That's why they have the ability to say, I don't care about these possessions. I'm not 
I'm not concerned with my status any longer. A high view of Jesus gives me a deep value for other people. God did such a work in their hearts that they actually valued people more than stuff. Imagine that. But I think it's important that we understand, although this is the work of the Holy Spirit, these believers were filled by the Spirit. They were not forced by the Spirit. You see, just because you have the Holy Spirit, just because you're filled with the Holy Spirit, does not mean by default godliness will flow out of your life. It doesn't mean that harmony will, by default, be a way of life for you. You still have the decision-making power over your life to decide to what capacity will I contribute to harmony in the church. God does not force us into harmony. What God does is he gives us the power to be able to choose harmony. God gives us the power despite our personality differences despite our skin tone differences, despite being from different generations, God gives us the power to be able to choose anyways harmony. And what an incredible display of God's power it would be for Clovis and Fresno today to see a church operating in the power of God's harmony. But maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know, I'm not even a Christian. I don't follow Jesus. I, I haven't gone all in. I'm not even sure how this whole thing works. I would like to share a special word with you and just say simply, God loves you. God radically loves you. And God wants to be in harmony with you. God loves you so much and desires to be in harmony with you so much that he gave up his son, Jesus, making the ultimate sacrifice so there would be no obstacle preventing harmony between you and God. See, God in his kindness, he was able to recognize that we all have these internal issues that prevent us from being in harmony with God and really even with each other. We, we, we have greed, we have lust, we, we, we have pride, we have orientations and inclinations and desires that are all contrary to the will of God. Scripture calls it sin. Sin is a, a huge issue in every single person's life. The Bible tells us in Romans that all have fallen short of God's glorious standard because... We've all been born with this sin issue in this sin state. And sin, when it's full grown, it gives the payment of death. Sin corrupts and deteriorates and destroys everything that it touches. But God. But God loved you so much that he gave up his son so that sin could have no hold over your life. So that all who would choose Jesus would be given the gift of eternal life. You'd be given the hope 
for a full life with purpose because God made you and God designed you so nobody knows you like God does. In John 1, 12, Jesus says, to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And this offer still stands today. That anyone who would choose to accept Jesus into their heart will be made a child of God. I'm going to pray in a moment, but I just, I just want to encourage you because I know how it can feel. Like I, I, there's just so much to this Christian thing. I, I'm not even sure what it all means to follow Jesus. What's, what, what is all that? Here's all you need to know today. You know that you sense God knocking on the door of your heart. You know that God is tugging on you, calling you to come home. And the Bible says that's faith. Not that you have it all understood, not that you could explain everything that's going on in your life, but you're able to sense, God, you're calling me home. You're knocking on the door of my heart and you're calling me to become a part of your family, to be a son and to be a daughter this day. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?